He's, uh, he's here, he's uh, a, a big part of what we do. Um, and uh, as uh, the old adage goes, pastors don't ever retire, they just one day die. Um, Chuck's still kind of on the clock, I think, with Jesus. And so even though he's retired, he's here, he helps out. And uh, he, he's uh, kind of o- oversees some of our CARES ministry. So if you guys ever uh, end up in the hospital, I don't know, say maybe you were hiking and you fell. Um, <laughs> Uh, we would love to have just our CARES team come and visit you and, and pray with you. Um, so, so Chuck's kind of available for that. Um, awesome guy. Get to know him. Say hello. Um, but yeah, we're, we're thankful for, for Chuck being here. Uh, the other thing is we're uh, constantly in need of, of children's helpers uh, in our children's ministry. And uh, yeah, so we, I, I found out today that we've got 10 uh, babies under the age of I think 18 months, and so, which is really exciting. Um, also, a warning: if you come to this church, look out. You might get pregnant. I don't know. That's probably not good to say as a pastor. But like, not, a, not. Never mind. That did not come right. Uh, but we have a lot of So we'd love for you to to, to dive in and help serve. Um, we have an awesome team that creates uh, an environment for children to be safe and loved on and experience God's love. And so we'd love for help with that. We're in a series right now called Be Thou Our Vision. And uh, we've been talking about, as a new church, uh, who are we? Uh, what are we up to? Where are we going? And uh, we've been talking about this idea that, that God is our vision. Jesus is the vision for us and uh, sets the pace for us. And so over the last few weeks, we've been talking about just kind of some of our language as a church. We talked about we want to be a place that's redeeming the past. We want to be a place that when you come here, no matter who you are or what you've done, uh, we believe that there is redemption. And so because of that, everyone is welcome uh, in this place. And, and we acknowledge that none of us are perfect, but anything can happen. And so we want to be a community that's focused on redeeming the past. Uh, and, and both in people individually and also in, in the neighborhood and in the community. Uh, we're redeeming the past. And then we also talked about how we want to be faithfully present, believe that the church is a faithful president, presence in a neighborhood. And so last week we shared about how we're starting here in this elementary school, but we're moving towards something. And kind of the next kind of phase that we want to go into is to, to get a hold of this uh, uh, retail space where we can have a shared space for the community. And a place that would be uh, a gift to the community throughout the week that would meet needs in the community. Um, so we shared a little bit of the vision for that last week. And we want to be this uh, faithfully present here uh, to, to the needs of, uh, of the people in the Desert Ridge area and in North Phoenix, North Scottsdale, um, and, and our city. That's why we're doing things like the UMOM Walk, is we want to be this faithful, faithfully present. Um, but today I want to talk about this other idea. Uh, of, of how we interact with time. So we've talked about the past, the present, and now I want to talk about the future. And the uh, story starts, like many of my stories uh, do, I'm hiking. And back in like 2010 or so, I was hiking Trail 100 over off of uh, 40th Street and Shea, up 2-Bit Peak. And I don't know if you've ever hiked over there. Uh, a bunch of little trails, but there's one trail you get up on top of 2-Bit Peak and you look over Paradise Valley and you see Camelback Mountain and it's just gorgeous. And I was hiking uh, with one of my buddies, and uh, there was this man that was hiking with us, and he was uh, a little bit older, and uh, he was keeping up with us, which we thought was like, wow, this guy's just in great shape. And uh, he, he had his shirt off, and he was walking, he was really fit, uh, but he was old, and you could tell that he is, uh, had been worn by the sun, his skin was very dark and, and kind of leathery. 
And what we found out was that he's actually uh, from Phoenix. Uh, he's a native. And he was in like his mid-70s. And so uh, he's a, this, this native Phoenician and uh, grew up in the valley. And it's kind of a rare breed to find you know, someone like that, almost like finding a rare you know, species. So we started having this conversation with him and find out that he actually grew up in the town of Paradise Valley. And uh, had, had, we got to the top of the mountain. And he's telling this, this story as we look out over the Paradise Valley area talking about these different houses, this is where so-and-so lived, and this is uh, what, what this business used to be over here. And he starts telling the story, and as he was telling the story, he was pointing out all these kind of like equestrian manner-shaped homes, uh, and he said, you know, the, the, a lot of those were mafia-owned. And I was like, mafia? I love, you know, Sopranos, and so like, I'm like, oh, tell me more. And uh, so he starts to kind of go through the stories of, like, there's all these, you know, mafia families that would live here in, like, the North Phoenix area, and they would go and do their work in Vegas, and they would keep their families here because it's a little bit safer. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. And, like, all mafia stories, you don't really know what's true and what's, you know, speculation and all that. Um, so he's kind of going through the, the, the history of Phoenix and talking about, and I guess there was, like, this big, you know, car bombing in downtown Phoenix in the 1970s, and I'm just completely fascinated by the story. And then he starts telling the story of how the mafia owned uh, a landfill over kind of in the, the northwest area of Phoenix off like 19th Avenue and Greenway. And there was this landfill that they would just joke that this is where they would, you know, dump the bodies. And I was like, is that true? And he's like, yeah, uh, I don't I mean, everyone just kind of assumed that. And he said, you know, it's really interesting. Back in like the late 70s, early 80s, some church got suckered into buying that land on 19th Avenue and Greenway. And I'm like, 19th Avenue and Greenway? And I'm like... I used to go to that church. In fact, my dad used to pastor that church. I grew up in that church. I was baptized in that church. And he was like, huh. <laughs> and I'm like sitting there thinking like, I had never heard that story. Is it true? And, and what we find is that that church is called North Hills Church. It's actually the church that has started this one. And it started many of the churches uh, in the valley. And uh, it, it's really interesting that this church has bought land, obviously because it was cheap, on this landfill. Um, but there's something really unique about that story. If you go to that church, they talk about how this used to be a place of waste, and it's now being used to give life to a community. So when we talk about kind of the role of a church, um, the church that we come from, some of our own story and identity is this idea that a church is a place that can reimagine outcomes for places of despair destruction, and waste. And so even deep in our story as Desert City is this story of kind of the tribe that we come from uh, taking places that are broken and destroyed and making them places that are life-giving. And so I, you know, obviously tried to track down that story, and I don't know if it's true, um, but you can't let the facts get in the way of a good story, right? So, uh, but this idea of, of reimagining the future is what uh, a church has the ability to do. To go into a place and say, we see where things are broken and devastated and used for waste, and we believe that there could be a new future in Christ here. And as a new church at Desert City, I want to be a church that's reimagining the future. I think that starts individually with us, whatever is in our life that's been broken, that's been torn down, that's been destroyed, uh, that's been uh, left out to rot, that God would take that and renew it and give us this brand new future. I want to be a place that helps people believe that God isn't done with them. But then I also want to look at the systems that are in this community that are broken 
and destructive and painful, whether they're uh, systems that uh, plague families or systems that um, are, are oppressive, um, uh, whether it's uh, corporations or, or governments or education, whatever the things that are broken, I want to help reimagine a new future, new outcomes where God can be at work for the good of the city. I want to be a place that reimagines the future. So when we think about kind of how we interact with God at work here, redeeming the past, we're faithfully present, and we're reimagining the future. And part of this comes from this idea that as followers of Jesus, our story is about Jesus who dies, who takes all of the brokenness of the world, all of the things that are wrong, and absorbs it on the cross, and then conquers death and rises from the dead. And we celebrate this resurrection that God conquers death. We are resurrection people. A church carries around this message, this powerful message of resurrection that says, in Christ, the things that are dead can be made live, alive again. So we are resurrection people, and that means that anything can happen. In Philippians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul is writing to this church in Philippi, and this is one of his favorite churches, and I just kind of want to read, um, as he's talking about this resurrection life, that we're this resurrection people, um, he says this, and I'll just read if you want to listen. It says, whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them rubbish, trash, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God is by faith. And I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection, in the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. And not that I have already obtained all of this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And all of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And he says this, only let us live up to what we've already attained. This idea of the resurrection. We're this people who carry around this message of resurrection that says we believe that we can reimagine the future of outcomes of people in communities because we are the resurrection people. Let's, already, let's live up to this, what Jesus has done for us. There's this calling to proclaim hope in places of despair. So reimagining the future requires knowing and owning our own story. Knowing and owning our own story. So I, I share that story about kind of the church that we came from because um, I believe a big part of who we are uh, as a people are people who go and reclaim things that hell has stolen. And much like what they were able to do with the land there, I believe that's deep in our DNA as a new church to say we are going to reclaim, reimagine, renew, redeem the broken things of this world. This church uh, that we come from, the story that we're a part of, is a really old story in, this, in the city. And as we've kind of been casting vision, I feel like I want to tell it. So some of you may have heard this before. Uh, but we come from this, uh, this church that's been in Phoenix since uh, 1907, uh, which is a really long time uh, to be a church 
in the valley because Arizona was found, what, became a state in 1912. Uh, but there's the church that we've been a part of, this tribe that we've been a part of is over 100 years old serving uh, in the valley. And it was started by this guy who um, you might see at a local uh, Central Phoenix hipster coffee shop. <laughs> His name is D.S. Warner and uh, also um, the, uh, the starter of this movement, this, this churches that we identify with called the Church of God out of Anderson, which kind of comes out of the Holiness Wesleyan movement way back in the day. Um, we probably won't talk a ton about that. But this guy kind of comes and starts this church in Phoenix, and then they go to downtown Phoenix, and, uh, and they serve there for, for a number of years. And there was this church, and their motto was, a church with a heart in the heart of Phoenix. Such a cool motto. I wish that I could use that for us, but we're kind of out in the burbs. So. Um, but a church with a heart in the heart of Phoenix. And uh, they really had their heyday kind of in like the 1940s and 50s, back when Chuck was like my age. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, that was a shot. Um, in the 1960s, they actually were, were such a popular church in downtown Phoenix that they had their own TV show called uh, Voices Over the Desert. And uh, they had a great music leader named Ron Patty. Uh, his daughter is named Sandy Patty. She grew up a little bit in that church. Maybe you've heard of her if you're a really good Christian. Um, <laughs> uh, in about the 1950s, they had about 500 people. And they had this desire to reach more people for Jesus in our city. And there's other churches that were at work here. Um, they had this very unique calling and uh, desire to reach more people. And what they found is that as Phoenix changed, it, uh, the downtown area um, really started to, uh, to, to kind of change. And people started moving everywhere and spreading out. And now we live in this mega burb, right? It's just this mega suburb. Phoenix is just spread out everywhere. They decided that they had to, to continue to reach people, go to different areas of the city. And so this group of close to 500 adults that was in downtown Phoenix eventually spread out and moved. And they started a church out in Glendale, which is right next to the Cardinal Stadium. And they moved their uh, building up to 19th Avenue and Greenway to, that, uh, to the trash dump. And, uh, and you can still smell the trash today. It's amazing. Um, uh, and then they started a church out in Ahwatukee. And they started a church out in Scottsdale. And started a church out in Santan and in Maricopa. And... Tempe, and there was all these, this movement of churches that, that had kind of spread out from this church um, that was in downtown Phoenix, and we are a part of that story of churches. We're a part of this kind of bigger, bigger tribe, and uh, what they found was that uh, it, this, this last Easter, all the churches were able to celebrate Easter together. They had over 8,500 people in their churches. We had an awesome gathering of like 125 here, um, which is a great start for our first Easter, but they moved uh, throughout the valley planting more churches and grew from 500 to now 8,500. Um, pretty cool story, a story that we don't tell very often. And um, I tell it because I think it's important to know as we think about our future as a church, kind of where we come from. We come from this church with a heart in the heart of Phoenix that redeems and reclaims things uh, that are broken. Um, in Hebrews uh, chapter 12, uh, it, it, it talks, well, let me get to it if I can find it. Hebrews 12. And uh, the writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great, great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance 
the race marked out for us. This idea that since we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, those who have gone before us, those who are locking arms with us now, we're a part of this bigger story as a church. We're a part of this bigger group of people um, that helps us with our identity, working to reach more people in this city for Jesus. Um, one of the things that is cool about this kind of network of churches is they send someone today like Cody Bracey um, to come and lead worship for us. There's this sharing of resources and people and help. Many of you are connected with these churches and, um, and, or you, you know some story with it. Um, one of the things that, uh, that we're going to do as a church is we're trying to develop more leaders. Um, one of our, our favorite leaders, uh, Stephen Sims. Stephen, are you here? Yes. <laughs> uh, Stephen actually is getting hired by one of the churches um, to run communications. If you've ever seen some of Stephen's photography and videography, is that how you say it? Um, and, uh, and design work. Uh, he's getting hired on at a, a sister church, um, and he's going to be kind of overseeing um, kind of still what we do at Desert City, um, but for the next few months, we won't see him very much. Hopefully, he'll be able to come back soon. Um, and we're excited to do that because he's, he's such a great leader for us, and he's going to still be able to be involved. Um, and we're excited for him at this new opportunity. Um, so if you see him, give him a hug and tell him to come back soon. Um, but we're a part of this kind of bigger story. There's this bigger thing at work here. And as we think about our future as a church, uh, we want to always be kingdom-minded. We want to talk about the big K kingdom, not just this little kingdom that we're building uh, here at Desert City, but what is God up to in this city with all of the churches, not just in our tribe, but in different churches. And we want to join in that work uh, for the good of the city. Um, so we, we reimagine the future when we know and own our story. Um, reimagining uh, the future also requires a willingness to start over. A willingness to start over. And uh, as we think about kind of the past owning it, it doesn't mean that we necessarily live in the past. And as we, as we come to a new place, um, I, I like change, I like new things. And, uh, and so being a part of a church plant for me is exciting uh, because there's all sorts of opportunity. We have this uh, clean white canvas that we get to paint together. I think that's pretty cool. And uh, if, if we're uh, reimagining the future, there has to be this willingness to, stay, to say, we're going to start from scratch. We're going to start from the ground up and build. And, uh, and that's hard to do. It's hard, it's hard to start from scratch. Um, and I, I believe that it's a very sacred calling to start a new church. And it's not easy. And I think that, uh, that those uh, that are gathered here today, we've been praying over this last year, and we've been trying to be in tune with what God is calling us to be in this community and, uh, and it takes a lot of uh, courage to do that, um, to, to start new. One of the things that, that's so difficult in starting anything new, if you're a business owner, if you're an entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneur at all, as you know, um, uh, there's a lot of resistance, right? And so um, oftentimes when we, we try to do something new, we try to, to create something new, that resistance can completely um, uh, oppress us, and sometimes things... Uh, don't work out. And so oftentimes what happens is we're young and we're very idealistic and we have these great dreams about creating this brand new product or system or business and it's going to like change the world. And we try it for a while and it doesn't work out. And then we try something else and it doesn't work out. And before you know it, we keep failing. 
and then uh, we, start, we tend to get kind of uh, cynical or crusty or uh, pessimistic about how the way the world works. But to reimagine something new requires being open to that newness. And what I've found, even in my life, and as we think about the different churches uh, that we're a part of, um, and in my story of trying to be a part of a church and being in ministry and having things not go how exactly I, I thought they would go, um, is when we think about starting something new, we can't be afraid about failing at things. Uh, failure is something that can, can really cause us to become cynical in life. Failure is something that uh, uh, I think that we, we become fearful. And uh, as followers of Jesus, there's too much on the line. There's too much urgency to be fearful um, about what we want to do, what God is calling us to do. And so what I've found is that even in my life is that failure is an event, but it's not a person. We're not failures. Um, and, and, and some of you, uh, I know your story, you've been connected to churches and things haven't worked out. You've been burnt out. Um, you've been hurt. Um, and, uh, and, and all of us have you know, our own blind spots. So we all have responsibility of what's happened. But when we reimagine a future, something new, um, we realize that uh, the things that have happened to us that um, don't work out, um, whether you want to call it failure or whatever, are actually shaping us for something brand new and great. And so we talk about this idea of uh, redeeming the past in people as we believe that God has a new day for everyone. We reimagine a future when we're willing to be open to that new thing. The other thing that I've found is that pain that comes from some of these things that don't work out, when it's not transformed, it's transmitted. So when we talk individually about redeeming the past, we invite people to come in and allow whatever has happened to them to be transformed so that they can be open to the new thing that God wants to do. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, um, which actually is kind of where we kind of got our name as a church, says this, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. So there's a difference between knowing your story and owning it and knowing where you've come from, but not necessarily dwelling on it or allowing you to become bitter to the things that God has in your life. And I love this passage where it says uh, just to to put those things away and to, to see that God is doing something new. And here at Desert City, we know God is up to something new. A new expression of the church, a new community that's forming. We're in a new area of town, and God is up to something new. We want to be open to the newness of God, which means there's certain things that might feel a little unconventional. There's certain things that we might not be used to that might even be uncomfortable. We want to be open to the new things that God has for us. And then finally, reimagining the future requires taking bold and calculated risks. Taking bold and calculated risks to come to church today. You walked outside, you took a risk because it's burning hot. Uh, To come to a new community is really hard. It's really hard to be new somewhere, and it's super hard and awkward to be new at a church because Christians are weird, (laughs) right? Um, So you took a risk to be here today, um, and that's great. Um, I want to be a community of risk takers that are bold and willing to take calculated risks so that God's work can be manifested in their lives. 
When we reimagine the future, we have to be willing to do that. Um, one of the books uh, I've read over this last year, and I'm a pastor. Um, I, I'm really, uh, I like to read like theology and history books. I listen to a history podcast because I'm a nerd. Um, but I, I found that it, uh, as a pastor, uh, I, I also have to be in the business world reading business books. And some of them I like, some of them I don't. Uh, there was a book that I read this last year called The Lean Startup. And uh, it's interesting because we're kind of a lean startup as a church. I was like, yeah, I should probably read that. Um, some of it's great. Some of it's, you know, really kind of boring. Um, but there was this uh, quote about entrepreneurs that I just thought was, was so great. And when you think about us as a new church and taking risks, uh, the, the author, Eric Rise, says that these entrepreneurs that he's been kind of studying, doing these case studies on, that do these startup companies, says these people can see the future of their industries and are prepared to take bold risks to seek out new and innovative solutions to the problems their companies face. And I thought, that, thought about that even like as, as followers of Jesus, whether you're, you're a pastor, all of us as followers of Jesus have this calling on our life to participate in the kingdom activity all around us. Um, which means uh, if you read anything about kind of where the church is headed in our culture, it's always like really bleak and depressing, right? We're like losing people. Churches are closing every single day. Um, but as followers of Jesus, are we willing to look into the future of our industry or maybe the church and say, what things do we need to do uh, to continue to be salt and light and good news in this community? What are the things uh, that we need to do um, to reach communities with the love of Christ? Um, to be in tune with that, to seek out those things and take bold risks. So even this idea of this shared space uh, uh, that we're looking at next, I would say, is, is somewhat innovative. We haven't, we've been kind of looking at these different church models that, that are trying it out right now, but we're going to be trying something kind of brand new as a church. And it's exciting, and it's also kind of scary, um, but I believe that it's something that God has uniquely placed on the calling uh, of this community. So we're going to pursue that, and it's going to be risky, but we're called to take bold risks for the kingdom. And as we reimagine the future, um, we have to be willing to take these risks. Tim Keller says this. He says, The vigorous continual planting of new congregations is the single most crucial strategy for the numerical growth of the body of Christ in any city and the continual corporate renewal and revival of existing churches in this city. And that's what we want to be about, reaching more and more people as we participate in, uh, in joining God and building his body here in Desert Ridge, but also the impact that has on all sorts of churches throughout the valley. Tim Keller talks about um, churches as almost like this religious ecosystem in a city. When you think about ecosystems, ecosystems have different species that, that live and interact in that ecosystem. And he said, when you plant a new church, it's like dropping a brand new species into that ecosystem, and it affects everything around it. And we believe that when we're in tune with what God wants from us, when we take that risk and we start kind of this new church, which is like a new species, um, we want to be a blessing to the kind of the spiritual uh, uh, climate, the spiritual ecosystem around us. And that is our hope and our desire. So as we reimagine the future, we have to be willing to take these calculated risks, being bold um, with what God has called us to do and to be. And so uh, as we uh, kind of move towards uh, communion, uh, just a couple things to think about, kind of food for thought. Today was just a lot of information. Um, I want to be a place that reimagines the future. I want to be a place that 
people know they come, they have a second chance. People can come and know that whatever they've done, whoever they are, uh, whatever they're dealing with, um, God has something great for them. I want to be an approachable place that can connect people with that. Um, And so knowing and owning our story uh, is important uh, because I believe we've been a part of the story really for thousands of years, followers of Jesus who've been committed to kind of that vision. And I want to be a place uh, that, that helps bring healing and redemption uh, to those who have been hurt. And uh, I want to be a place that takes bold risks um, as we move forward. Um, so we have a lot of great things planned this fall. And uh, we're going to continue to, to meet here, to gather here, to meet throughout the week, to grow and influence here so that we can reach kind of this calling that God has placed on us. Um, and as we, uh, as we close today... Um, when you think about kind of where you're at right now in your own life, um, I want to go back to that, that verse in Hebrews, uh, in Hebrews chapter 12, and just want to read it. And uh, if Cody wants to come back up, we'll get ready to move towards communion. But let this verse be our prayer today. Hebrews chapter 12, kind of knowing our story and knowing what God is calling us to do. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Um, so as you uh, uh, close, we'll move towards communion. And communion for us represents uh, the work that God has done in this world through his son Jesus, where he broke his body open and he poured his blood out to bring healing uh, to all the things that were broken here. Um, let's take a moment in prayer. And uh, this is something that has been practiced by uh, churches throughout history. Um, but to take a posture in prayer of putting your hands out in front of you. and Close your eyes so it doesn't have to be weird. Um, but having your hands facing down, clenched fists. We think about kind of our future as a church in this passage of let us throw off everything that hinders us. We think about your life right now. There's certain things that you're you're holding on to, that you're clinging to, um, that keep you from uh, what God has for you. Things that need to be redeemed, things that need to be healed, things that need to be dealt with in your hearts. And as we reimagine a new future together, let us throw those things off. And so I would ask when you're ready to just open your hands like you're releasing some of those things that are inside that you know are unhealthy. And if you feel ready to just open your hands up and let those things fall. And then as we move towards communion, if you would turn your hands up, have the palms facing up and say, Lord, I want to be open to this great future that you have for me that your hands would be open to receive what God has for you today, that he would speak to you, that he would inspire you, that he would encourage you. Let's just take a moment to just sit and rest and let God fill you up as we reimagine the future. And if you're ready, you can move towards communion. Uh, Communion's off to, to the side over here. You would take the elements in remembrance of what God has done. 
If you'd like to spend some time praying with anyone, um, David will be in the back. I'll be in the back. We'd love to pray with you. Um, but we'll take communion, and Cody will, will close us in a song, and, uh, and then I'll dismiss us. But let's just take some time right now and uh, connect with God. You can move to communion when you're ready.
as we leave today, May you be committed to redeeming the past. May you be faithfully present. May you be reimagining the future. May you leave here, be blessed, so that you may be a blessing to others. Uh, Love you guys. Have a wonderful week. We have no midweek gatherings this week, so hopefully we'll connect in some other way, but love to see you next Sunday. Have a great week. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, the women meet Wednesday night. If you'd like to stay and pray with us, we'd love to do that with you, um, and, uh, and we're available. Uh, if not, have a great week. You're dismissed.